Welcome to the Pilot Podcast. We're so excited for our special episode today featuring BuzzFeed's Pero Like, the team behind some of your favorite internet videos and the series, Mi Quinceañera Come True. We have Alexis, Curly, Maya, and Gadiel. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Hi. Thank you for having us. Can you each take turns introducing yourselves however you'd like to our listeners? Alexis, if you'd like to go first. Sure. Hi. My name is Alexis Garcia, and I'm the creator and showrunner of uh, Mi Quinceanera Come True, and I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Excellent. And Curly. Hello. Hi, my name is Curly. I am a content creator for BuzzFeed's Photo Like, and I am one of the hosts and one of like the fairy godmothers, if you will, on Alexis' show, Mi Quinceanera. It's not my show. It's everyone's show. It is your you're show, girl. It's your show. <laughs> yeah, you're the queen. I love that. Accept your crown. Maya, if you'd like to go next. Hi, I am Maya Murillo. I am also a video producer at Better Like, and I'm also one of the hosts on a couple of episodes of Me Quinceanera Come True, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And Gadiel? Hi, I'm, I'm Gadiel Delorbe. You know, I work on Better Life, uh, you know, producer, I was, uh, one of the hosts of one of the, ep- two of the episodes, actually, that was created by Alexis Garcia. So I am also part of Alexis Garcia's show. Yes, we want to reiterate that it's her show. So I'm super excited to be here. So we had the pleasure of reviewing and watching Alexa Garcia's show, which is <laughs> <come> true. <laughs> And we definitely recommend the show to all of our listeners. And we're wondering, do you guys have any favorite quince stories? Um, I feel like overall, a lot of like the quinceañeras really affected us in like different ways. Each of them kind of offered something that was really different and interesting, which is really a testament to how Alexis casted her show. And so like when you have girls like Sochi, like the girl, the first episode that I was on, like being able to experience the deaf community in a way that was youthful and young and in a way that I had never experienced it before was like really interesting for me, but they were also um, like Maya with PETA. Yeah. One of my episodes was with this wonderful young woman, PETA, who is just such a activist. She's like, you know, 15 and to be like an activist at her age and just to be so socially aware of all of these things happening and still take part in it. That was really impactful to me because I was not like that when I was 15. I was crying that Joe Jonas was dating Demi Lovato at the time, probably. And um, meanwhile, this young woman is, is just being an inspiration to her peers. And, you know, and she really cared about her heritage and her family. And, and I also felt like we were kindred spirits too. In the episode, we kind of like, for sure bond over a lot of different things. And I feel like she could have been my little sister, but we actually went to TJ to go volunteer with them at different refugee, um, what would you call them? Refugees shelters? Yeah, shelters. And so that one, I think for everyone was a real, you know, impactful moment that we all shared of us just lending our time. And this is what she does, like with her mom, you know, all the time. So 15 years old. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and she she was like a future world leader. And from what I can remember from the episode, her family, in lieu of any sort of donation to support her quince, asked the team to volunteer at the border. Yes. And, and at these refugee spaces. And so I was curious, 
how did that feel for all of you? Yeah, well, I can start it off. I, I think at first we were a little bit, um, you know, down to do it for sure. But I think we didn't know what to expect. And we wanted mm-hmm. to be very sensitive to these refugees while also helping them. So, you know, we did get a little bit of training on beforehand on what to do and what not to do and kind of just to be aware of things. But for me, I, I got to practice my Spanish to these these kids. They were from, you know, I think mostly from Central America. And um, so I got to practice my Spanish and I taught them some English. So that was really great for me. Yeah, it was super amazing. Like for me, like Maya mentioned, like because they were predominantly families from Central America, it hit home because my family is Salvadorian and they came over 100% undocumented during the Civil War in El Salvador. And so it was kind of like, these are not only my people because we're from the same country, but they're my people because they're going through the exact same thing that my family went through. And so it was personal and it, it felt like these were my cousins, my tias, my tios, um, my, my kids. There was a baby like crawling on the floor. In the States, any baby that age, somebody would have picked the baby up right away. Like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't crawl on the floor. But there, there was truly like a five-year-old or a six-year-old taking care of the baby. And so it made it really like real. And it was a real experience. And what was really beautiful about being there was that we all have different strengths. Like I immediately hopped into like, okay, I know how to color. Where's the coloring book? Let's get the coloring books out. Let's do this. Claudia, one of our other teammates, like it became the tattoo artist and literally started drawing on the kids because we ran out of stickers and paper. And she was braiding people's hair. And like Maya, were you teaching people like like you guys were like learning Spanish and English, right? Yeah, me and Yvonne, who is another video producer, we were teaching these kids like essential questions, you know, that they they could learn in English since they're you know going to be here for a minute. And so we wrote down a bunch of different phrases for them to use, like survival phrases and everything. So and and I think I also want to say about this experience was like, this is why we do what we do is because we are directly helping our community and showcasing in this episode, not only this wonderful young woman, but also like we're putting the work in and creating awareness for this issue that um, a lot of our community needs to be, you know, more active on. Yeah. I just want to add that we were really excited about the opportunity to to work with PETA and her family and and be a part of her quinceanera journey because of this invitation of and like her volunteer work and her service. I think it was really important for us as the Better Like team and important for us to showcase on our platform that your contribution of your time makes such a huge difference in the life of these migrants who have, you know, made the journey across Central America and Mexico through really treacherous territory in search of a better life. And so being able to film that video and show that we've done it and how accessible it is for people, we kind of just wanted to erase some of the fear that people have around who these migrants are and how accessible it is to go and volunteer and make a difference like Peter and her family are doing. So yeah, it was such a, such a cool opportunity to be a part of that. And with these families with different stories and cultures and traditions that they incorporated, how did you pick out some of these different families? And did you intentionally look for some of these diverse backgrounds and stories to tell? Yeah. So we had some challenging criteria. We needed to find eight girls that were turning 15 between 
April and October, <laughs> and that we're all planning to have quinceañeras and we're at different phases in, in the planning process. And so that that was like one of the obstacles that our uh, the initial casting had to, to overcome. Um, we have an amazing casting department at BuzzFeed. It's two people. Their names are Oscar and Molly. And Oscar is Mexican-American himself. And so he was my right hand in, in finding these girls and bringing them to, to the show. And the criteria was like, you have to be turning 15. You have to have a party that's already like at some point in the process. And um, you have to be willing to let us film your quinceanera. So we started from there and then from all of the submissions that we got, uh, which we sourced through Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And then from there, we, we started going through people's stories and, and Oscar would video call all of these families. And I call him the Latino Oprah because he would interview these families. And by the end of every interview, they're all in tears. And I'm like, how did you do that? So we got a lot, a lot of really like moving stories, a lot of interesting dynamics. Like we got Alina's Quinceanera, which was the mermaid fairy tale where her brother Junior um, plans her Quinceanera. It's like, he's such a character. It's like, you really can't. That was insane. Like make this kind of stuff up. And so it was, it was kind of magical in that we were we were finding really interesting um, stories and families. I think also the last quinceanera that we did was actually um, Sylvia, who is one of the um, part of the Porter staff at, at BuzzFeed who helps to clean and, and maintain BuzzFeed. She's like one of our the grandmother of BuzzFeed. One of like we're very close there because she's Latina and, and we're the the bilingual Spanish speaking team or all, all, all Latinos. And so she's always been like close to us for the past few years that we've been at the um, location of Buzzfeed that, that we work at. When she told us that her, her granddaughter was turning 15, like, you know, and I think she told us in April, we we're like, oh my gosh, how can we make her part of the show? Because her family was, you know, dealing with a lot of financial hardships. That's very common in our community for, for people to be dealing with this kind of financial hardships. And, and with the show, we had the opportunity to take some of the, relieve some of that burden just so that these girls could focus on being, you know, the princess for the day or having that, that like one day where there is no problems, there's no trouble. Everyone's just happy and, and celebrating. And, and I think that was like one of the things that we were able to achieve for many of the families. But that was a really long answer for, for how we cast the show. No, that was good. Yeah, it's cool to see the kind of behind the scenes insight. And it was definitely fun seeing you guys with all of these families. And it really looks like you did get to build relationships and bond with each of them. I'm just curious, how much time were you able to spend with each girl for their big celebration? Yeah, some of us were there when they were picking out the dresses so we help them try on all the dresses. As you see in like episode one, Girlie like puts on that dress and, you know, does that stuff. And then for me, I, I was there for the dress shopping part. And then we went to the decorating part for um, Alina's quinceanera with the whole like that. Oh, my God. That episode was insane because it felt like I was on an ep like on an episode of like Sweet 16 or something. Because, you know, Junior, he's an amazing event planner and he's the big brother of the quinceanera. And so, I mean, we were there pretty much uh, almost all night helping them, just watching them put stuff together. And we're like, what do you need? Like, do you need us to set up like the chocolate fountain? I think like Alexis, did you like help them set up the chocolate fountain or something? 
Oh yeah, we helped. It was, it's funny because when we when I thought of the show, I was like, oh, it'll be so fun. We just go film some parties. We're gonna help them. We gotta you know give give them some money to make it a little bit more baller. But uh, like so much of the show became like being party planners and actually like doing the physical labor of like making flower arrangements and yes and you know putting chocolate fountains together. So yeah, we actually had to set up tables. Yes. Those table, those um, centerpieces. We set up all the centerpieces. Yeah, yeah, Every, yeah. everything. So, so it's like we were both like party planners and and staff, and then also trying to film the show. Exactly. Yeah, and then also producing it. Yeah, and also producing it. So it was, it was a lot of communication with the, uh, the moms and uh, for juniors episode of junior, but we only actually filmed with them like two or three days per episode. We had a lot of hours of footage though from those those three days just to fit into a fifteen minute episode. Yeah. <laughs> Jam packed couple days. Definitely. One episode that really moved me was the one featuring Marlene who learned to dance or got dancing lessons from Gadiel. And it was so powerful and I had like a really healthy cry watching her get to have that father daughter dance with her dad. So I was just wondering what it felt like in the room to get to witness that moment? And then also, if you have any updates on her father's help, or if he is still seeking, I, I believe it was a kidney? Yeah, I can start and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it off to, to Gadiel since he was the, the host of that episode. That episode was so like emotional the whole time, because the family had been dealing with this, you know, heaviness of, of the father being constantly sick. And so this moment when she finally dances with her dad, I think it was so breathtaking for everyone in the room. It like, you know, th- the focus was completely on them and, and everyone felt how special that moment was because, you know, the future is so uncertain, especially when, when you're dealing with something like a failing kidney and, and needing a transplant. From the exposure that the family got in these episodes, they had 20 people reach out to them willing to, you know, go through the process. And then of those 20, it whittled down to five. And then there was one person who had like cleared the blood tests and everything. I haven't actually been in communication with with Martha, Marlene's mom in recent months, but I do need to follow up and find out whatever happened with that, that other donor that they had and then i know there was renewed interest when the episode went up on youtube a couple uh, weeks ago so there's there's definitely been some movements and um martha was sharing with me that she didn't want to tell her husband that you know they'd been getting some people replying because she didn't want him to get his hopes up and that kind of made me sad because it is definitely a really challenging situation to be in but you know at least the family was getting hope from from having the opportunity to be exposed to to so many viewers and the generosity of people willing to to reach out to a total stranger and say, hey, I I have a kidney for you. No small ask and no small feat. But you know, uh, I'm glad that we were able to do this and showcase and help a Latino family. Uh, Matter of fact, what we should do is we should do an update what happened with that you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was like a bittersweet for the dad, like just sitting down on that table. You could feel his energy. He he was happy for his daughter, but he's also concerned uh, with, about his health conditions. And he was really in his head a lot. We want to find out how is she feeling 
You know, when you see a situation like that, it does have you believe in, in human beings, that you believe like in humanity after that. So maybe it's uh, something, a positive message that we could relate to our viewers. Yeah, definitely. And I think you did convey some really helpful information within the episode about maintaining and being healthy. And also, I thought it was really powerful in the episode where they talk about how when a family member had passed, they buried them without donating their organs because that's tradition. And and it's that in my culture as well. But there was that incredible moment where it's like, until it happens to you, now we know the importance of of being an organ donor. And you don't have to be fully there corporeally. You can still have your spirit there and then be incredibly helpful to people who are still walking and, and on this planet. So that was that was a powerful message that you were able to convey. Also, for people of color, it's something scary because we have a long history. And me being a Black Latino and knowing the, the history that United States of America has with, with African Americans and injecting the things that they've done to Puerto Ricans, it is hard to trust and say, you know what, uh, after I die, uh, I'm going to donate my organ, you know? Yeah, maybe it, we could put out there that it will help somebody else, but also that uh, medicine and, and the medical facilities are going to do their best to take care of us. So like that, we could become organ donors, but it's just like also within our community and even for myself, it is, it is hard to trust the hospitals and doctors and stuff like that nowadays, especially knowing the history of what, what was done to people that look like me. Yeah, that's completely an important point. And there's no natural segue, but to take things to a lighter side, Maya, what was it like to witness that dress that Junior handmade in person? (gasps) I was in awe of the seashells and all of those different elements. I was, yeah. And I'm sure it was even more amazing in person. It was so amazing to see in person. It was just like a Disney movie coming to life. And I love Disney. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a princess. I'm like, no, it's not. You're, you know, an adult, like calm down. Yeah, it was crazy because he had put every little detail on there. Like there were actual real shells and the heaviness (laughs) of that dress was just like, it was insane. And, you know, uh, she had a different dress too that was extravagant too. She had like two dresses that were huge, but that one was just so beautiful. And I think in, in the episode, you see like I'm talking to him and he gets really emotional because he's really tired. Like he had been planning everything. And on top of that, making this dress and, you know, they had wanted their grandfather to be there, but he had passed away. And so, that moment when they first tried on the dress, you know, I was like, look at your work. This is your work. And he just was in tears. And we were all in tears because you can really see his love in that dress. And like he did that for his sister. And it just like manifested in such a beautiful way. So, you know, to see that dress IRL and her just like loving it and everyone happy was such a beautiful moment. And before all this, before the show, I have never had a quinceanera. I've never been to a quinceanera before. So I have been to like three or four or I don't remember how many I, I went to. So it was like such a beautiful experience. Awesome. And have any of you kept in touch with any of these young people that you've helped? I still talk to Sochi's family. They We try to keep in touch. They are, um, some of my best friends are part of the same community that they are. Like my best friends are interpreters. And so they know them as well. They also still invite me to a lot of like Native American indigenous ceremonies because they know that I'm trying to connect back to mine as being a Central American. I'm trying to understand where my own indigenous lineage lies 
as it is for like a lot of Latinos in the community. And so they're really good. They're really welcoming and they're always like inviting me to different events. And then of course, like talking to Sylvia, we still work with Sylvia. I actually text her daughter all the time because Maida is a single mother and she takes care of three girls. And so I'm, I'm constantly like asking them how they're doing and just making sure that everybody is still good. And then I actually started to talk to recently Pita's mom again, because Pita, Pita's mother is a nurse. And so she's in the front lines. She's still uh, working in the field, essentially. So, like, I just check on them and I just, you know, we make plans to have a Filipino cook-off when we're able to leave the house again. So, yeah, I, I still keep in contact and I think some of us do as well. Yeah, I still talk to Pita and her mom and, of course, Junior and his sister. We follow each other on Instagram, so we're always, like, messaging back and forth. And it's really cool that this entire series has created friendships that, you know, I'm excited to see these these women grow up and the families just experiencing their quinceanera and, and just that beautiful moment that they had. And I'm just excited to see what they will do, like, at my age, you know? I mean, Peta's probably going to be president, honestly, so. For sure. Gotta be friends with her still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually friends with all the moms, of course. <laughs> The, the girls and I all follow each other on Instagram. So it's really fun to see like what they're posting because they're in high school. And it's so cool to be connected to that generation because I'm like 20 years out of that, out of high school, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Don't, don't, don't do the calculations. <laughs> but I do feel like it's been a while since I've been in high school. So it's really cool to connect with this next generation and be inspired by them. And also, it's, it's fun to be in touch with their moms, too. Peta's mom just started a recipe exchange during this quarantine. And so got a couple emails of that. Just fun, fun stuff. And all of these girls had such generous hearts. Like, um, Yasamin reached out to us after her quinceanera and said, hey, you know, if you guys need uh, mariachi for any other quinceaneras, like my mariachi group would be happy to play some songs. And we just want to donate this because it's, you know, we know that a lot of other families you know, wouldn't be able to afford this. And, and so we ended up being able to invite Yasamin to Melanie's episode, which was our season finale and she and her mariachi group played a few songs and we invited Yasemin's whole family and so they were all there dancing and it was it was really cool to to be reunited on on that last uh, at that last party yeah and I also want to like add like every single quinceanera every girl none of them were divas or like ungrateful or like acting spoiled whatever all of them like Alexis said had such kind hearts and I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that I got that I was like, oh, man, these are strong, young, you know, Latino women of the future. And, you know, so it was it was really cool to see. We were just so happy to, you know, promote them and and showcase this moment in their lives. But um, that was a real thing for me that I was like, oh, I, th this generation is doing good. <laughs> And then I'd love for our listeners to get to know each of you individually. So we have some questions for each of you. Alexis, as the creator of this show, have you had young Latinx people reach out to you to say thank you or even share messages about their own experiences? And if so, what has that felt like? So no one's reached out to me directly, but I read all the comments on all of the episodes, both on Facebook and YouTube. And it's been really cool to see just how positive people are in the comments. We haven't had any 
negative comments, except for a few that are like, oh my God, that dress is, you know, I would have never worn that dress, which is like, you know, the usual kind of thing. But um, it's really beautiful to see people reflecting on their own quinceañeras or the regrets they maybe had about not having a quinceañera and being able to vicariously experience them through the show. And then also, I think it it's refreshing in that there are other quinceañera shows on the internet. And there, of course, was that mega show on uh, MTV called My Super Sweet 16, which showcased uh, teenagers of privilege and, you know, their experience party planning. And the focus is usually on the drama between the families and, and also on, like, you know, the gaudiness of whatever the family can afford. And so the feedback that we've been getting in the comments is always like, wow, it's so cool for the focus to not be on the drama between the family, but more on like the love between the family. And so I feel really proud of the fact that we were able to, first of all, cast such amazing families who are, you know, open their hearts and, and their lives so that we could come in and, and film and, and participate in the quinceañeras that we did, but also be able to showcase another aspect of, of youth and and like why this ceremony is, is special and important and why quinceañeras are, are special and important uh, traditions that should be preserved uh, in our culture. Curly always says this, and I was hoping he would have brought it up right in the beginning, but quinceañeras are, are like the Met Gala of Latino culture. And so it was cool to be able to, you know, highlight this very epic moment that happens regularly. Unfortunately, it can't happen in the, in the current environment, but and inspire hopefully future generations to want to preserve this tradition because it is a lot of fun. It's, it's more than just one day, one girl, and one party. It's it's about a family coming together to be able to celebrate together because you never know in 15 years how many of those family members will or will not be there, and so it's. It's really important to create those memories when, when you're younger and, and, and to have them as like one day that is a shining moment in your memory. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I don't want to speak for all black and brown people, but I can speak for the young black me. It is so powerful whenever you get to see your family represented in some way in media. And so I'm sure this is like so powerful for people to see that love between families and, and get to see that love represented. Yes, definitely. And Gadiel, you are such a talented comedian. How do you bring those skills as a comic if you do to your projects? I try to bring it as much as possible. Like, but it's just like, even though I'm a comic, is is mostly I'm just being me. You know, I'm just me all the time. You know, I'm having fun. It's just like I think comedy is all about showing people a good time and having a good time yourself. So a lot of the laughter just come out naturally. Do you find that being a comic gives you a sense of empathy or sympathy with the group that you're trying to appeal to? I don't think that uh, is much sympathy because as a comic, like we, we go through so many dark things. We see life completely different. We view dark times completely co- different from anybody else. It, but, you know, a, co- a comic loves dark comedy. Because we find relief and comedy in anything, even at funerals, even the darkest days in human life, we are we could find the comedy in that. And, and the truth is, because we we all suffer, we all go through things, and laughter is the be- one of the best reliefs. And if you ever notice, you have the biggest laughter when you go in through one of your darkest times. 
That's very true. And Maya, as someone who produces quite often, when you're in front of the camera, do you keep your producer hat on or do you separate those roles of producer and performer? (laughs) It's funny because whoever is on set with me, I think they can see my producer face and my like (laughs) on camera face because it switches very, very quick. I'm like, hi, I'm here. And today we're doing and then I'm like, that camera's off. Like (laughs) my tone. (laughs) just drops and it's it's very different. It's definitely, I think, a skill that we all have learned working at BuzzFeed is to just have a lot of skills and to be able to switch back and forth between, okay, I'm a producer, this is what I want. Um, but also I'm, you know, hosting the show or acting, performing. And I also want to do that as well. And that can be kind of tricky because you can't see yourself on camera, like when you're producing and when you're posting at the same time. For me, it's always good to have someone like Curly or AG or Gadiel or somebody who knows the tone that I'm going for. They can kind of like call things out of like, oh, change this or change that. But yeah, I switch all the time between that. And it's like they're two different people now. I'm just a fusion of that. I've been watching a bunch of Steven Universe. So now I'm using like words like fusion. (laughs) (laughs) We're Steven Universe hive over here. So don't worry. Very big fans. (laughs) Yay. She's new. She's new to the Steven Universe. Hive. Oh, really? <laughs> I am. It's never too late to join. I have been telling Maya for forever. I'm like, Maya, your Steven Universe, like Pink Diamond and his dad are like your parents. It's crazy. You have to watch it. And she's like, okay, whatever. I don't care. And then now in this pandemic, she's like, oh my God, I'm Steven <laughs> Universe. <laughs> it's crazy because I am. Actually, Curly. I have yeah. really been enjoying watching you in What the Fashion. Oh, thank you so much. It's so fun. And I've learned a lot of tips that I can apply, you know, once I can potentially leave my home. Yeah, do it in your living room. Uh huh. That's true. And I'm curious if you bring your passion for fashion into your projects and, and how you do that if you do. So for me, like fashion is like super important. I, I keep telling people that to me, it represents less of what you're putting on and more of like a lifestyle and, and who you want to be out in the world, who you want people to take you in as. And so in saying that, like fashion for me becomes rather poetic in the way that I take it all in. So like when I get to create videos at Better Like about the way that my sister and my tias used to dress in the 90s, it allows me to create like nostalgic content that a lot of people can kind of relate to and see and and take with them as a symbol of seeing themselves and seeing their family. And, you know, and I do it with like the pachucas who were like kind of like the cholas, if you will, of the 40s and the 50s in predominantly the Mexican-American community. But it's important to me because I want to get the looks just right so that people can be like, wow, the visuals are really beautiful. What am I going to learn about? And it's kind of like my way to teach people about the culture and the way that we dress. And I try to do that too. Like if I'm wearing like a traditional Guatemalan jacket on E, like that is a big deal to me because I know that no one is doing that. Like no one is going to wear a Central American jacket. They probably have a stylist who's going to tell them this is cool versus I'm going to be like, this is my neighbor. Like Guatemala is my our neighbor, you know? I wear like... um Ikiwa, who is like a Latina designer, small um, fashion house, and I wear her on the show. Um, so for me, it kind of translates into how do I continue to rep 
the culture? Like, how do I do it in the work that I create? And how do I do it as like a banner that I wear throughout the day? Down to like my escapularios that I never take off. Like people are like, oh, can we mic you? Can we like, you know, it's banging on the mic. And I'm like, I don't take it off. Like it's part of my culture and it's part of the tradition. Like once my grandma and my tias put it around my neck, I like don't take it off. I also just want to comment that Curly dresses up every day, regardless of quarantine. (laughs) Yes, every day. Comes with the hats and the outfits. You can call him anytime and he is dressed to impress. It might not look like it right now, but I'm super into like old black shirts with like holes in it. So I'm like, ugh, they're just so like, I just can't help myself. Like that's the vibe, you know? Well, and I will say too, like being friends with Curly, like you just have no choice but to step up your game, your fashion (laughs) game. You guys have all like stepped it up, like AG. He's such an influence. Like he's an, like, I know we all have our little things, but it's, he's been very influential on our aesthetics and, you know, um, I mean, you see me when I first started pedal, like I, mm -mm. (laughs) it was not, (laughs) not the, (laughs) You don't have to laugh that hard, Curly. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think that we all kind of inspire each other, which is really nice. And I think that's really the beauty and the dynamic of, like, our team as a whole. Like, one of the things that was super important to us in the beginning is that we were all sitting together. We were all um, working next to one another, creating bouncing ideas with one another. So creatively, we inspire each other with jokes, humor. You know, Maya will forever be like, get on TikTok, learn the new trend. You know, like Gadiel and AG and even Julissa, you know, they were pushing like what it meant to be Afro-Latinos and what that narrative was like and, and what it feels like to kind of like live in this white landscape of Latinidad, you know? And so we inspire each other to keep growing and keep learning from one another. So if you know, we can keep growing. That's kind of the beauty and the dynamic of our team and the content that we make. So speaking of content, now that Mi Quintanera Come True has debuted on YouTube, can we expect you guys to come back for another season? Uh, We're hoping to create additional episodes. We're definitely riding the wave of the current uh, state of the world and, and seeing how everything plays out. It's kind of fortuitous that the show had its first season last year and None of this was going on because it would have been so devastating to all of the families involved, which I can't even imagine if we had been planning a quinceanera this year and, and not being able to to celebrate it right now. It would truly be devastating. But also, I'm just glad that we were able to shoot the first season by October. That was really cool. And we'll see. We'll see what happens and how this all plays out. But we are definitely keeping our eyes open for casting. I especially like to look at the comments and see people saying, oh, I have a quinceanera that I'm planning for my daughter in January. Like, it'd be great if you guys could help me. So we've been making notes, but we'll see. Okay, we'll keep our fingers crossed. We'll see what you guys can do next year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And we'd also like for our listeners to keep up with you guys on any other upcoming projects. Um, so if you guys want to tell us about anything you're doing individually or that Paralike has coming up soon. Yeah. So we are producing a bunch of content at home. So a lot of the kind of like bigger things I think I wanted to do, I kind of had to like shift gears. But I, I think just watch for everything that we're posting right now. Like on TikTok, we have a presence now on TikTok. Better like I'm super super excited. Today's Selena's birthday, April 16th. Um, Selena Quintanilla, who's like icon, my home girl, my best friend. So I made like a, <laughs> I made a video where I tried to dress up like Selena using 
like things that I had in my house. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I recently had um, a song that I made uh, for Pero Like about being a pocha concha, which is basically like, you know, you get judged for not speaking Spanish and everything like that. So please go check those out. You can also follow me at Maya in the moment, M-A-Y-A in the moment, and Better Like also. Alexis, do you want to go next? Sure. So we are really excited to be pivoting in this new time that we're living in 2020. We have some fun content initiatives going on on Better Like, and it's it's really cool to see how all of these amazing creatives behind Better Like have been able to pivot their content ideas and we just got out of a really great brainstorm two hours ago thinking about what we're going to be doing in in May and June but we're also trying to make Hispanic Heritage Month like a really big thing this year and Curly came up with a really amazing theme for the content it's going to be back to our roots or back to our raices and so we're we're trying to get brands and even our audience more interested in Hispanic Heritage Month and seeing that as a tentpole for the community instead of like Cinco de Mayo, which is what, you know, a lot of non-Latinos think is is a big Latino holiday and it's it's really not. So you can follow me on social on LexRock, L-E-X-R-O-C on all platforms. And yeah, we're just sticking with it and riding this 2020 wave. And Gadiel, is there anything you're looking forward to? And where can our listeners find you? Okay, so, um, you know, I have plans to do stand-up, but it looks like that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, my sister and I have been uh, getting more active on socials. We we want to ramp up uh, my YouTube channel again. And we're gonna, we want to do some fun skits with us being at home. We've been seeing a whole lot of engagement. But uh, you're going to see a lot of fun things that we're going to produce, not only for Pearl Life, but for our own as well. And uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, everything. We're going to do the whole nine. And um, as you can see, we had a Latin mom that has been doing so well on the Better Like page and also on my page as well. So I think that we got no other choice but do some social media work. So that's what we're going to do. And uh, you can find me at Gadiel Del Orbe and all the platforms. Awesome. And last but not least, Curly. Awesome. Um, we're working on a lot. I think that as like better, like we are still creating content that is here to uplift and highlight all that is Latinidad. Um, like AG had mentioned, Alexis had mentioned, um, we're going to be focusing on Hispanic Heritage Month as a time for us to be able to focus on where we come from, focus on a lot of our indigenous roots, focus on a lot of our African roots or down to the language, down to tortillas and the way that we make them or, or traditional things that make us who we are. So we're going to continue to do that. I'm trying to do a focus on my own social platforms of how to uplift small businesses here in LA. I'm actually born and raised in Hollywood. So for me, watching my city kind of grow and um, go through it right now is kind of, it's it, again, it's personal. And I want to see a lot of these small businesses continue to thrive. So I'm sharing them across my platforms. I'm actually trying to think and design content that I can make that is quick and digestible so that I can continue to uplift these people who are also POCs that have small businesses. Um, and that's really important to me to do. And so if you're in the LA area and you want to check out delicious restaurants that are predominantly, if not all POC owned or um, small businesses that you'd like to support that again are POC owned, feel free to check out my Instagram or any of my socials. It's uh, at the curly B as in Victor show. 
And yeah, that's predominantly where you can find what I'm doing. And you can also, of course, check me out criticizing and hating on celebrity fashion on E with the fashion. (laughs) (laughs) With the fashion. And I had one last question that I feel so compelled to ask. Maya, what makes a centerpiece worth stealing? Oh, man. Listen, it's got to have beautiful flowers, blooming flowers. Yeah, flowers. And Mm -hmm. it's got to have lights. Because you have to think, like, I want to steal this centerpiece. What am I going to do with all these items? Oh, I can put those lights, like, in my house. I can put those flowers on my table. Like, you have to, like, think about those things. You can keep the goldfish as a pet. Exactly. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. The goldfish. Yeah, it just has to, like, make you say, wow. You know, like, wow, I want to steal that, you know. If it doesn't, it's not worth it. (laughs) My best friend's wedding centerpieces had, like, crystals so like purple quartz and all these other crystals and i was like yep and she told us not to steal them she's like i need to return them and i'm like nope (laughs) snatched (laughs) (laughs) well thank you all so much for joining us today we love pedo like and everything that you all are up to it's so important to not only have your talent and your humor and the awareness that you bring to your platforms and the platforms that you have together, but also this much needed representation that we had an opportunity to talk about. And so we're so excited to see what's next for each of you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Yeah. We didn't say take care of yourselves, okay? Thank you. You too.